night to the book of Hebrews 11, God said to me this morning, you cannot thank me enough. There is nothing like enough thanksgiving. There is nothing like that. Hebrews 11, I read from verse 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2, Hebrews chapter number 11. The epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Hebrews. And this is what it says. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders, that is those before us, obtained a good report. And the remaining verse of that chapter reads to us, the catalog of the list of the elders who by faith obtained a good report. God is saying this was what they used to be approved of me. In Acts 2.22 he said Jesus Christ a man approved of God. By the grace of God for a few minutes tonight I will be speaking on the subject what faith is. Uh, in another way of saying it is the nature of faith the nature of faith or what faith is i will have wanted to preach also probably during this seminar if there is time on what faith is not but as i'm speaking on what faith is i'll be telling you what faith is not and the intention is so that you may obtain a good report shall we pray father thank you for the privilege of being in Christ. Thank you for the joy of living for you. Galatians 2.20 said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No man indeed live unto himself and no man die unto himself. Whether we live, we are the Lord's. And whether we die, we are the Lord's. Whether we live, therefore, or die. We are yours. We appreciate you, Father God. Like you said to me this morning, we can never be too grateful. We can never be too thankful. There is no expression of thanks in our heart that comes to you to a point that you say, well, or we say, we are thankful enough. But help us to be grateful people. Help us to be thankful people. Help us to appreciate what we have, even when we don't have everything we desire. We give you glory, Father. Anoint me to share your word the way you have revealed it. Anoint the people to receive your word the way you have planned it. Help us to mix faith with the things we learn and receive and hear and see. So that the transformation can be evident in our lives. And that the honor and the glory of your name may be served. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. What faith is. One thing which, as a believer, who is going to be successful, that you need, is that you must learn. If you are going to be a successful Christian, when I say successful, I'm not talking about what the world uses as a standard of measuring success. But what I'm saying is, if you are going to be what God planned you or programmed you to be, if you are going to apprehend the purpose for which you have appreciated of Christ, 
if you are going to get to the place where you started out for, if you are going to receive everything God has planned for you, and become every person, every bit what God planned for you to be, you are going to have to learn. The word learn can be defined as to get knowledge of. To get knowledge of. Or to be skilled through study and experience. You are going to have to learn. I can say this to you that as far as I know God, in 25 years of continuous Christian experience, deep Christian experience, on intermittent Christian experience, on broken fellowship and communion, I can tell you that God will have for you, as an individual, some short-term and long-term courses that he wants you to learn. God wants you to learn from him. God wants you to learn from others. God wants you to learn from his word. And God wants you to learn from the experiences you go through. In the word of God, several people learned. Even Christ had to learn. Hebrews 5, 8 says, Though he were his son, but he learned obedience. Obedience is not something we are born with. Some of you here are rebellious, cantankerous. You don't know obedience. You have to learn it. First Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former deceitful lust. When you come to Christ, there is something the word of God said is bound up in your heart. Foolishness. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. He said, But the rod of correction chases it far from him. Whether I be a child in the physical or a child in the spiritual, foolishness is bound up. Foolishness simply means disregard for God. Disregard for God's will, for God's ways, for God's method, for God's person, for God's work. Disregard. Because Psalm 14 verse 1, Psalm 53 verse 1 says, The fool's yet in his heart, there is no God. That's a fool. And the Bible says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. He said, But the rod of correction know how to chase this far from them. So you are going to have to learn. Paul tells us that he learned. In Philippians 4 11, he said, I have learned in whatsoever circumstance or situation I find myself. We are in to be content. You have to learn contentment. There are some things that are not meant for you. There are some places you are not going to get to. There, are some, there is a form, a fashion in which God does not want you to conform to. You have to learn contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The problem with many people is that they are not content. It's not that God has not been faithful, but they are not just content. They have a greedy spirit. An attitude of trying to get as much as they can get every time from everywhere. There are some things you will never get because they are not meant for you. There are some places you never get to because they are not meant for you. There are some people you will never be because they are not meant for you. And you just have to learn how to be satisfied with whatever God has given you or what, who God has made you. And stop trying to push, push yourself or force yourself into things that you have no business with. You are going to have to learn. Jesus learned, Paul learned. And the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 5, 4. He said we should learn to show piety at home. Whether it be your physical home or your spiritual home. Learn to show piety. If you are going to be a religious person or you are going to be a giver, learn to give at home. Begin from where you are. The light that will shine very far will be the light that shines brightest at home. You see, because some people want to want to go international. I remember recently a young man was sharing with me, says, I think I'm going international. <laughs> I said, what will you go and show international? What, what will you go and show them internationally? 
where you have little to show them nationally or even villagely or locally or townly where you have little to show where will you go and show them there you think those people they are fools the word of God says seest thy a man diligent in his business he shall stand before kings exposure is not for rascals when you have not made it where you are you don't show the character the temerity the simplicity the basic thing God wants you to show how do you think God will expose you God had to expose Christ himself in Matthew 17 5. He said, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased to hear him. Which means he has something to say because he has made me happy. I'm satisfied with him. As far as I'm concerned, he has learned obedience. He has submitted himself to his parents, his spiritual parents. Because when Christ, Christ had to learn how to live under parents. There are some of you who can never live under any authority. But Christ had to live under his parents because he could enjoy independence. You can never enjoy independence if you have never lived under people. No man learns how to use independence properly without ruining himself. Whether in ministry or in life. Who has never actually submitted. When you submit to covering authority and you see that those authorities are really helping you to bring character and alignment and direction to your life. Then when you become independent, you still operate as if to say that authority is there. But when you have never really submitted to authority, the slightest charge of disobedience of the independence will be the slightest chance to ruin yourself. God's word tells us you are going to have to learn if you are going to be a successful Christian. Second, Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. He said, ever learning. Our learning should be as you must commit to a lifestyle of learning. It's Proverbs 1 5. He said, teach a wise man and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 9 9 talks about increase in learning. Proverbs 16 21 talks about increase in learning. And another thing, Deuteronomy 31 13 tells us is that we must learn the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. We must learn the fear of God. See, many people think, well, fearing God is something that is in everybody's heart. I know people who don't fear God, neither do they regard men. In Luke chapter 18, there was a judge that called an unjust judge. He said he did not fear God, neither did he regard men. To fear God means to consider God's opinion in your action, your decision, your statement, and your choices. Not just to assume that he's not there and no matter what he wants to do, he can go ahead and do. We need to learn. It's very important. Paul told Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14, he said, continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. You know why some people leave a place, they just forget whatever they have learned. When they leave a much they forget the integrity of the word of God, they forget the power of prayer, they forget praying in the spirit, they forget obedience, they just forget. And Paul encouraged continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I mean, when you leave a place, continue. That's when you show you are a disciple. Indeed. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, and Jesus said unto those of you that believed in him, if you continue my words, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. As I said before, I came here a few minutes as I was praying on the on the bed, one of uh, our MIT Swiss or NYC called me. He said, Sir, he said, one thing that has kept me going here is that I have steadily continued the things you have instilled in us. He said, The place where I find myself is very seductive. It's the place where you can forget everything and do anything, anyhow, anywhere. He said, It was when I got here that I started valuing and appreciating the things you have put in us. He said, I have continued in them. He said, And when I continued in them, I have seen the benefit. Because I stand out in the crowd. I'm shoulder and head above everybody. Everybody suddenly seems to notice me. Because I continue. They said I will easily have been absorbed. By the system of the society in which I found myself. He said but I refused. 
I continued in the things, in the things that I have learned. And I have been assured of. Not only did I learn them, but I was assured of them. You told us it works. And I've seen that it's working. You told us that if we continue steadfastly in these things, yet a little while and he that will come will come and will not tarry. It may not so soon show, but it will surely show. It may not show in three, six months. It may not even show in your work, but it will show in some other areas. So we need to, if you are going to be successful, that is what it means to be a disciple actually. In Isaiah 50 verse 4, he said, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned. Actually, the word learned there in the Septuagint. Septuagint is the Greek version of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But the Hebrew was translated to Greek. And so the Greek translation of the Old Testament is the Septuagint. That word there is the word disciple or learner or disciplined follower. The Lord has given me the tongue of the disciple, the dog of the follower, the tongue of the learner. That I may speak a word in season to him that is weary. Anybody who learns will be an instructor. The reason why people don't become quick instructors is because they did not learn. So, God wants you to learn. You don't have to learn when you are in the hand of the devil. You can learn without having been put in the hand of the enemy. There are some people in First Timothy, I think, chapter 1, verse 20. That uh, Apostle Paul said he delivered to Satan to destroy their flesh that they may learn not to blaspheme. You don't have to be delivered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh before you learn. You don't have to. There is no need for that. You just have to learn to maintain. Titus 3 for this is learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. Learning to maintain is a very important thing. I mean, if you have a vehicle, you have to learn how to maintain it. If you have a relationship, you have to learn how to maintain it. Some of us, the reason why some of the relationships we have in our lives are not producing for us the way God has ordained is because we have not learned to maintain such relationships. You have a relationship with your senior pastor, it go, it go bad. Why? Because you did not learn how to maintain it. How do I maintain it? There are various ways of maintaining relationships. Some people have marriages and your marriage just without and just get destroyed. This afternoon, I was praying in my, <laughs> on the bed and suddenly a woman's name just occurred to me. And I just had a feeling that that woman had left the country. I was no longer in her husband's house. And I said, no, it's not possible. Because I know that man and woman were very good couples. Uh, but I just said, okay, let me just prove all things. You know, the Bible says, in first we'll prove all things. And hold fast to the word that is true. So I took my phone and I texted a message to a particular person whom I know know the couple. I said, I'm having a feeling that this woman is no longer in the country. And I saw her somewhere. Somewhere in Europe. I don't know where it is. But I just saw her in the spirit. And the man said, oh, sorry, sir. I should have told you. It's true. She's no longer here. She's in that place. I said, why? He said, well, you know, relationship maritally. I said, it's not possible. I said, they are good couples. He said, sir, the man and the woman did not just learn to maintain what they had. You need to learn how to maintain. You can have a good set of teeth and destroy it. You can have a good relationship and destroy it. You can have a good anointing and destroy it. You can have a good opportunity and position and destroy it. Because you did not learn how to maintain it. The psalmist said in Sawara 19, verse 71, he said, it is good for me to have been afflicted that I may learn your status. That man, it was through affliction he learned. It was through affliction. Until something as we are got down, he did not learn. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are going to live the life we are talking about, the life of faith, one important thing you are going to have to do is that you are going to learn. Now in learning, let me go on here. In learning, you see, faith, it's an important way to live. And you have to keep learning. You have to keep learning. 
Learning from experience, learning from God, learning from others, learning from situations. You have to keep drinking deep of that. We got off us you. In learning, I have come to realize there are two important attributes that will help you learn your lessons well and apply what you learn in the best way possible. The first thing, the first attitude you are going to learn properly is to begin from the basics. If you want to learn how to read English and write English, begin from ABC. If you want to learn how to operate in mathematics, begin from the multiplication table. Many times the problem is that we do not begin from the basics. The reason why I'm speaking today on what faith is, is because many people who are Christians today know little next to nothing about what faith is. And the reason for the problems and the challenges they have today, the reason for the confusion, the reason for the haphazardness, the reason for praying and getting nothing, the reason for living a life that is full of challenges and difficulties with no solutions on it and no handle on the case is because they did not learn the basics. What faith is? What is the nature of faith? I mean, they did not lay the foundation well against the time to come. They didn't begin in the precepts upon precepts. Little here, little there. They didn't begin like that. They got saved and the next thing was that they were taken to one place for a miracle, for a program, for a revival. And so they did not start well. They did not attend the foundational membership classes. And so they, they are building a house without foundation. Foundation is foundation of faith. Faith is the foundation. There is no enough foundation around what it can lay except that which is laid. Isaiah 20, yes, 16, behold, I've laid in his hand for a foundation of stone, a track stone, a precious corner stone. He that believeth shall not make haste. Faith is the foundation. If you are going to learn anything, please begin at the precepts, the beginning. Make sure you take it from the basic, the fundamental, the primary. Make sure you do not just mind high things. Don't mind high things yet. Begin with the rudiments. Begin with the basic things you need to be familiar with. That is why when a doctor wants to go and pray, when someone wants to be a doctor, they don't just send you to the teaching hospital to begin um, uh, the, the clinical classes. You begin from the basics. Anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, the basics. And then you graduate. And like that in every other thing. If you're going to be proficient, don't let someone rush you up there. I remember years ago, when I was going to learn how to operate the computer. I mean, nobody ever sat me down and said, this is what it is. But I began from the basics. This is a monitor. This is how to put off and put on a monitor. This is the CPU unit. CPU unit. This is how you do it. This is on, this is off. This is how it operates. Now, when you, are, when you lay such foundation in your learning, you are preparing yourself in such a way that no matter what the challenges are, you can handle it. And that is why I'm speaking on what faith is. Don't think it's too simple. Most people here don't know what faith is. If I were to tell you to explain to me what faith is. Because many of us have been assuming some things are faith. We have been expressing them and we think they are faith. We have been going around them and think they are faith. We have been using some other people's experiences to think it's faith. But it's not faith. So what faith is? The first thing is, make sure you begin from the rudiment, the basics. What is faith? What is faith? What is Bible faith? What is real faith? What is scriptural faith? What is the God kind of faith? I'm not just interested in expressing something or saying something because others are saying it. 
or because I feel I should say it, I go to the root. I go to the beginning. Because which I don't understand, I sat out and make sure I sat them out from the very basics, the elementary. You see, those basic and elementary things are the most important things of our lives. And I think that is what we need to emphasize. So the first thing is, if you're going to learn anything, and you're going to effectively possess the accurate knowledge about anything, you must lay a good foundation. You must not without a foundation build. And for the Christian life, an understanding of the subject of faith is the foundation. Is the foundation upon which everything is based. If you are going to deal with God, faith. If you are going to overcome the devil, faith. If you are going to survive, faith. If you are going to find the, find, deal with your circumstance, faith. So faith becomes an important ingredient of life. That you need to basically be familiar with the things element of. I'm going to take some time. I have noticed that I need to begin to take this principle of faith again. Because you see, when this ministry started, the first things I taught those early disciples was faith. I mean, I put them on faith. They, they, I had to tell them this faith. So when I'm speaking, I'm not speaking over their head. You see, some people, because they don't understand the principle of faith, when you are saying something, they cannot agree with you because they understand the spirit in which you are preaching. You are preaching at a different wavelength. And they cannot, and they have not been able to buy materials, books, tapes, and expose themselves to correct information about faith. That's where the disciples or the, or the, the converts of the, eight, of the 80s and the 90s, many of them, are not well grounded, not rooted, not established. Every little wing. You see somebody 12 years old begging for money. 12 years in the, in the faith. Begging for money. Going from pillar to post. Being tossed around by every wind of doctrine. Going from this man of God to another man of God. From this church to that church. Cruising about like a maniac. Not knowing, not being located, not being firm, not being rooted. Not being grounded. Because there is no foundation. You see, there is the kind of foundation we had that no matter what you see about anything now, we know where we are going. We know where we are from. We know who we are. We know what we have. We know what we can do. We know where we stand. It's not a matter of fry. It's just a matter of having been founded correctly. Having started out properly. Having been grounded in the basic things. Without stretching yourself. The things that we are built on it. We are built based on that foundation. It's that foundation that supports the structure. What you are going to be able to put on a building. Will be determined by the foundation. The foundation is what supports the superstructure. And without the foundation being as firm and strong and reliable as it should be, you can put very little on it. That's why you find Christian couples fighting just like unbelievers. Because they think their life is not founded on faith. Divorcing, separating, contending, you know, coming up with various forms of arguments that are not necessary because it's not founded on faith. Life is founded on faith. Nothing is given granted as it is. There is a fight to faith. If you care to know. So let me go on tonight. The second thing you need to have. Is that when you are learning. You must pretend as if you know nothing. If you come to learn. Like someone who already knows. You will learn little. You will comprehend little. If you come to learn and try to put. What is being given you on top of. What you think you already know. You will not get Correct things. At times, the best way to learn new things is to unlearn old things. To forget about the things you have learned before. To, to, to see to it that, look, I thought I know, but now I know not like I ought to know. First Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2 said, He that thinketh he knoweth, knoweth not yet like he ought to know. When you come to learn, come and say, look, I know nothing. I don't know anything. 
I'm coming like someone who wants to receive. I, I'm coming with that. I'm coming with a very open mind. I'm coming with the receptive spirit. I, I'm not assuming anything. I'm not saying anything. I, I'm not saying I know faith. I'm not saying I know hope. I'm not saying I know love. I'm not, I'm not saying I know prayer. I'm not saying I, I know everything. I, I know nothing. I, I, I'm just learning. That was something that uh, Mary had. The Bible tells us she sat at the feet of Jesus and had his word. Martha felt she knew everything, so she was just cooking. She was just busy serving. He was just busy going about the normal course. But you see, Jesus said, hey, hey, Martha, you missed this. I've come to your house. How many times did Jesus visit Martha's house? That one occasion that was registered and recorded. So she wanted to have a celebration of it. Instead of having a private lesson. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and had his word. When do you think you can have the opportunities you have? You see, when I see people, the way they, the way they use and fritter with and throw away vital opportunities of the present, I, I just pity them because there are some of these opportunities that will never repeat themselves. A first seminar of this nature may never repeat itself in your lifetime. Seminars and deliverance may never repeat themselves. If you choose to have a seminar again in May, like we're going to have or June, you just discover that this, this, this seminar will never repeat itself. Look at, as a, as a church, I have never taught on faith. In 15 years, I've said one or two things along the line on faith, but to dedicate a whole weekend and teach on faith. I mean, I've not done that in 15 years. Never had the time. Never even thought about the need for us to do it. And so when things come, just come and say, I know nothing. I, I don't know anything about it. I, I'm just open. I, I just want to receive. I just want to drink. You need to have your spiritual beeps on and just be wide open. And just be completely receptive and say, look, I'm going to drink as much as I can. I'm not going to miss one word of this thing. I mean, even if, if writing will make you miss it, if writing will, not, will make you not understand it, listen to it first and get by the tape and then write what you're going to write. So that what it is being said, you can comprehend the length and the breadth and the height and the width of it. So that it can penetrate and enter into the place where it's designated for. Because when you're busy writing at times, you could miss out on some vital keywords. God said this to me some years ago. He said, this is why some people drop notes. It's because they don't want to buy the tape. <laughs> He said, that's why they jot. He said, you see them jotting down because they want to buy the tape. Now, buying the tape will do something different from you that the notes you are jotting will do for you. So, jotting the note does not stop you, exonerate you from buying the tape. It's very important. A day will come when you have to preach a message like this and say, ah! And you know that the message has been preached before. Even if you are not going to reproduce what has been preached. If you have the tape, you have a way of starting well. Are you listening to me? You may never know that, but a day will come. I've had someone come from the United States, from the state of Georgia. He said, please, sir, there is a tape, a tape. I forgot the title, a tape, a tape, a tape. I said, I don't forget. I said, please don't waste my time. When you had the opportunity to buy the tape, when you were here, you did not, you're not asking from Georgia. You want me to post it down to you? I said, I don't do that. I've been delivered from that long ago. I can't print the message and still have it to be recording it and send it to you 2 a.m. in the morning. I said, he said, I need it as well. When you are here, you, that was when you actually needed it. Now, the, uh, the summer is passed. The harvest is gone. Things are late now. He lamented on the phone and I said, well, I can't help you. I banged the phone and decided to go to bed. Why wake me up to him? When you were here, you didn't buy the tape. But let me go here. When you are learning, you just open. Pretend you know nothing. Pretend that whatever you have accumulated or know is not. You see, the best way to learn is to learn more to what you know. And to know, use what you are learning to correct what you know. Because there are some knowledge and opinions we all hold about various things. About prayer, about giving, about deliverance, about consecration, that are just completely out of place. You held those positions when you are not mature like this. 
You were committed to those things when you did not even know the things you now know. And so the reason why this new information is coming to you is that you can use it to repair the broken down comp- <laughs> the, 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 the conclusions you have made that are not right and are not correct. Today we are learning. We are learning faith. The word of God says in Galatians 6.3 He that thinketh he is something when he is nothing deceiveth himself and the truth is not in him. How can I get the truth into me? I have to come assuming I'm nothing. That's how I get the truth into me. I have to come saying, well, I don't know anything. I'm nobody. I want, I want you to forget about yourself and just say, Lord, I'm here before you. Send the word in season. Correct my thoughts if they are wrong. Because there are some principles we have been trying to implement that have not been producing. And you know what? We are just frustrated because we have kept using the same principle and we've gotten nothing out of it. And for as long as you've gotten nothing out of it, the best thing for you is to see where you need to repair it or upend it. I say something to you. Let me say this to you again. Let me say this to you. There were some things that used to work for you years ago because you were a young Christian. If you use the same principles now, it will not work because God has expected you to mature and grow and know much more than you now know. You see, God will deal with you according to the knowledge that He is revealed to you. You are going to be accountable according to the information you've been given. And God is going to expect the information He has given you to condition the action you are supposed to display to Him. So, when you learn, open up your heart. And make sure you come to God like someone who doesn't know anything. Anything at all. By the grace of God, I want to teach you on the subject, what is Bible faith? What is real faith? What is scriptural faith? What is the God kind of faith? Let me start by saying this. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, is one of very few words in the Bible that are defined. Faith is one of very few words in the Bible that are defined. Most definitions that we attach to so many concepts today are not clearly defined in the Bible. Let me ask you one question. What is prayer? Can you show me a chapter and a verse that describe and define what prayer is by saying prayer is so and so and so. You can't find one. What is blessing? Can you tell me a chapter and a verse that tells you blessing is? What is consecration? Can you give me a chapter and a verse in the Bible that says consecration is so and so and so and so and so? Most of the time, the meaning of words that we have come to use are meanings that have been derived from the language in which those words were written. In other words, people have divine prayer. When you go and look at the word of God, prayer in Greek, this is what it says. In Hebrew, this is what it says. But you don't find a verse in the Bible that says prayer is. You don't find a verse in the Bible that says blessing is. In fact, love, for example. When the Bible says God is love, that's a very difficult definition. How do you comprehend the length and the breadth and the height and the width of God for you to know what love is? So, most words in the Bible do not have a clear-cut definition and faith is perhaps one of few of them i don't know all the words but i know that faith is perhaps one of the few of them for example the word deliverance the word intercession i mean there is no place in the bible you find intercession is i remember years ago when i read the word intercession in hebrew and in greek that was when i learned that the word intercession in hebrew is a technical language 
a technical word that is used to describe a technical way of approaching a king for you to ask favor for him on behalf of somebody else. But you don't find a single verse of scripture that says intercession is. You won't find that. You won't find a single scripture that says deliverance is. And that is why when we define some of these words, we define them only in terms of one or two Greek words we are familiar with. Or one or two Hebrew words we are familiar with. There are several, several dimensions to so many of early. And that is why I want us to read Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Here you find the biblical universal generally accepted, generally utilized definition of faith. The God kind of faith. The Bible faith. The real faith. The kind of faith God wants you to live by. The kind of faith we have been talking about. The kind of faith that will produce results. In this definition, we'll find so many things. But I will show you one thing we are just going to deal with tonight. Hebrews 11. It says, now faith is. This is a definition. This is not an idea. This is not a thought. This is not an opinion. This is not an advice. This is a definition. Just like when you say, what is physics? Physics is. What is biology? Biology is. What is mathematics? Mathematics is. What is church? Church is. It says now. Which means a million times from now, a million years from now, leave this same definition, it remains. Over the years, there are some definitions that have changed about things because of further discovery by man. Because of several other things that man have come to know about those subjects. Because man is always learning. But God has set the cornerstone of what faith is eternally. He has put it in a way that is not subject to private interpretation. He has set the bounds, the north, the south, the east, and the west bounds of faith. He has clearly stated it in a way that you don't need to be confused by anybody. Because this is not subject to private interpretation. I remember years ago, there was a definition of prayer that some man gave me and I held on to it. Then I had Kenneth's definition. Then I dropped that man's own. And then I held on, I held on to Kenneth's own. And after a while, I had some other... So definitions kept changing, you know. This is because there is no specificity. But because of the importance of the subject of faith, God had to define it. He had to clearly make sure it was not subject to private interpretation or human, human, uh, human, human, uh, uh, human thoughts. He said, now, eternally, forever, no matter what country, no matter what circumstance. Because I've discovered that when you ask people to define prayer, oh, well, yeah, we define prayer somehow. To me, define prayer somehow. Allow me to prayer. In manner that our last major would define prayer somehow. This is because there's no specific definition of prayer. Why you say deliverance, for example? Some people have equated deliverance with everything and anything. Deliverance from television, deliverance from bread eating, deliverance from coke, all of that. I've had people who said they went for deliverance to be delivered from Coca-Cola. And they had to line up and be anointed with oil and scream and shout, and the spirit of Coca-Cola came out of them now. That's wonderful. <laughs> you know, in these days, there are so many spirits. So many spirits, spirit of television, and so on. People who went, you see, it's just like something addictive. You know, fasting, for example, I've been subject to various interpretations. Some people say I fast, uh, I fast television off, I fast off yams, I don't eat yams, I fasted it off. Now, the reason for <laughs> I've had all manners of things, you, you may not have in the kind of group in which you work, but I've seen all manners of things, manners of things, and so on. I mean, years ago, I discovered Franklin Hall, 
Frank Ehor was a man who brought a doctrine. They call it body felt salvation. That man believed that you can be so, you can be so burnt up by the fire of the Holy Ghost that your clothes will not get dirty anymore and you will not sweat, sweat. Your sweat will not smell anymore. And he spread the doctrine. He came here to learn. He spread the doctrine. He had quite a number of disciples here in learning. And every one of them kept describing fasting in all manners of ways and so on. This is because it was left to private interpretation. It was left to private interpretation because, well, one way or the other, you'll be able to define it by how it's done or when it's done or where it's done or with whom it's done. But here God have laid the foundation. He has set it in a way in which it's unmovable, established. He says, now, Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I want to deal with this verse today a little bit. There are so many facts in this verse about faith. There are so many things in that simple statement you see there about faith. But I want to deal with one major one. And that is what faith is related to. What is faith related to? And I'm going to show you this and I'm going to explain it. And I'm going to read some other translation of this verse. So that you know exactly what faith is. Not what faith was. Or what faith is going to be. But what faith is now and forever. What faith is, what is faith. I'm describing the nature of faith. The nature of faith. So that you see, when you know the nature of something. You will not know whether you are pretty in it or not. Because there are people here you thought you've been operating in faith. I thought one people say, I, I, I'm operating in faith financially. What they are actually are telling you that I'm failing. That's what they're telling you. I, I, I faith, I'm using faith to, to, to get money. Now, faith is not an inferior way to live. It is the best way to live. It is the most prosperous way to live. But when people say, well, you know, I've been using faith to eat. What they are telling you is that I've been going hungry. That's what I tell you. <laughs> oh, you know, it's faith. I've been using faith. Ah, they are here from they are here at work today and they are shaking and I say ah, why are you here I say, well, I'm using faith now if you are using faith you shouldn't be shaking if you know what faith is if you are using faith I'm going to tell you today what faith is and what faith is not but basically I'm going to emphasize on what faith is what faith is now there are two things in this scripture Hebrews 11 that we just read that we need to know faith is related to so I wanted to write this in your note or have it in mental or whatever. And the first thing is, faith is related to the things hoped for. Just write it like that. Faith is related to the things hoped for. That is the first thing faith is related to. The second thing faith is related to is that faith is related to the things not seen. Those are two words, two statements. Faith is related to the things hoped for and faith is related to the things not seen. So that you understand what faith is, the nature of faith. You learn it like you are learning it for the first time. You learn it like a child. Except we receive the kingdom of God as a child, we cannot enter. Children are very good at learning. No matter what you tell them to write, they just write it. No matter how you tell them, they just say, well, I'm just going to be a child. And that is where I want us to look at it today. Now, I want to tell you, I will take the first one. Faith is related to things hoped for. Faith is related to things hoped for. 
under that, I want to tell you this to start with. That faith is in that scripture, the A part of that scripture. He said, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. In that scripture, the first thing you will notice is that faith is different from hope. Hope is not faith. Faith is not hope. If you read it again, you will see that clearly. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In that scripture, it's clear that faith is different absolutely from hope. Now, let me describe hope to you in the English language. What is hope? Hope, write it down, is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. That what I want will happen. That is how hope is. Hope is a feeling that what is wanted will happen. So faith is different from hope. And I want to show you four things. To let you know whether you are in faith or you are in hope. If I look at a young student and I say to her, I shall admission. Say, well, by the grace of God, I will be admitted. Now that is hope, that's not faith. So if at the end of the day you are not admitted, it was not because you operated in faith and God failed you, but you are trying to appropriate the blessing of God by hope. Hope is a good waiter, but a bad receiver. Oh, hi, is your uncle that says he's going to send you the letter of uh, invitation for coming over to see for the vacation from Germany? Well, I hope he's going to do so. I, I hope, I trust, he, he's going to do it somehow, somewhere. Now that is hope. That's not faith. And so if your uncle eventually does not send you anything, it's because you're printed in hope instead of faith. I want to show you four things that clearly tells us the difference and how you can move from hope to faith. Faith relates to things hoped for and faith also relates to things not seen. But what's the difference between hope and what's the difference between hope and faith? Now let me define it by saying this. Hope is usually directed towards the future. It is always future tense. I hope to be rich. I hope to make it. I hope to be healed. I hope to pass the exam this time. Now hope is directed towards the future. It is always future tense. Pointing to the future. Listen to this. Hope is an attitude of expectancy concerning things that are still future. Hope is not faith. In King James. In the original Greek it's not there. But the fact that the word now is not there does not mean that that definition still does not show that faith is now. He said faith is. When they say something is, what does it mean? Present tense. So even if you remove the now and the now is not there, at least the is is there. And I looked at it and the is is there in the Greek. So if what you are saying is like an expectation of something to come, if, if, if what you are saying is like, like you are looking forward to it, you are thinking of it, it's like you do not believe you have it, 
Now that is hope. That is hope that is not faith. Because many, many times, at times, actually what we are ex- expressing to God is hope, not faith. Faith has to do with what is now. Faith has Hope is something that has to do with an expectation. It's got to do with something that you are looking forward to as it were. But faith has to do with something that you are, as you are speaking, not sure, no, as you are speaking, not expecting, but something that as you are speaking, you are sure of. I will explain that a little bit later. But let me go on here. The second difference between faith and hope is this, and it will shock you. Faith is of the heart. Faith is a condition of the heart. But hope is a mental attitude of expectancy. Faith is a condition of the heart. And hope is just simply a mental attitude. And I want to quite explain this. By opening our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to show us here the dichotomy. I want to show us here the difference. Between where faith is from and where hope is from. 1 Thessalonians 5. I read from verse 8. This is the Bible. Are you there? But let us who are of the day be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Look at that statement, breastplate. Now, the breastplate covers the breast. And the breast area is where love is. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Now, it says here, But let us who are of the dead be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Now helmet Is that while faith is of the heart, hope is something that's got to do with the mind. Now, here in the scripture in First Thessalonians 5 8, it says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Now, people have no problem with knowing where love is from, love is of the heart. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that is given to us. You know as well as I do that the Holy Spirit lives in the heart. And that the love of God is shed abroad in the heart. Because where the Holy Spirit is shed abroad is where the love of God is. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But you also know that the Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So when you read the scripture it says, Put it on the breastplate of faith and love. Which means wherever love is, that is where faith is. 
Love is of the heart. We know that already. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. He said breastplate. Now breast is the heart region. And that is what breastplate is all about. Righteousness is the thing of the heart. So here it is. The breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet. When we talk about a helmet, you put it on the head. Hair. He said for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So you can see from this scripture that we just read. That the word of God here tells us. Where faith is, heart. Where hope is, mind. So when you hope for something, it is not really from the heart. Hope is an expression of a mental, mental attitude of expectancy. It's an expression of mental expectancy. Let me say it like this. Hope is probably a mental attitude of expectancy concerning the future. While faith is primarily a condition of the heart produced within us. I mean, up till now, you may not know the difference, but that is just it. When you say, I hope, what you are doing is that it is your head. Your head has done a calculation. Your head has done a kind of permutation. With your head, you have come to a point where you are expecting. But it is not with the heart. Because faith is of the heart. Faith and hope do not have the same root. If they have the same root, they may not be different. So that's the second way in which faith is different from hope. So when you say, when they ask you, are you healed? I say, I hope so. Now, you can know as a child of God whether that comment is from the heart or from the head. Let me say this to you. Our mouth is hooked to two places. Is hooked to our head and is hooked to our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, you can speak. But out of the imagination of the head and the thinking, you can also speak. When I'm speaking in understanding, I'm not speaking from my heart. I'm speaking from my head. Because I'm speaking from a source of something that I know. When I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking from my heart. Because out of the abundance of my heart, I am speaking. So hope is not a thing of the heart. It is something from the head. When they say, will your brothers, uh, have you received that letter from uh, uh, your letter of admission yet? <laughs> you say, well, I, I hope so. Now, you can see from the way you speak it that it's not from the heart. You can see from the comments you make that it's not rooted. It is not firm. It is a mental attitude of expectancy about the future. It is not a certainty concerning the present the third difference between faith and hope the third difference between faith and hope is this and I want you to listen carefully hope does not have substance but faith possesses substance hope is a thought hope is an idle thought hope is a dream hope is an idea it has no materiality. It has no tangibility. It has no definitiveness. And it has no specificity. What do you mean? When you are hoping, you are not definite. When you are hoping, you are not specific. When you are hoping, you are not confident. You are not sure. 
But when you move in faith, faith is you are confident about it. So to what extent are you confident that you are healed? That is how you know whether you are in faith or in hope. To what, to what extent are you confident that you are going to be rich? To what extent are you confident that you are delivered? To what extent are you confident that you have that admission? To what extent? When you operate in hope, you are not definite. We say, well, somehow, somewhere, somewhere, sometime. I know. One way or the other. Now that is hope. That's not faith. And that has no substance. Because you see, there is no tangibility. There is no materiality. There is no definiteness. There is no specificity. You cannot say, I am sure. I don't know whether I'm making myself clear. When they ask you, are you sure you are here? He said, well, I think so. Now that is hope. Even at times you can say, yes, I'm here. But you know whether you're answering from the head or from the heart. You see, most of the time, the problem is, they are so similar, they are so together, they have been so used interchangeably, we almost think they are the same, but they are not. Faith is. Now, let me now give you some translation of that scripture now, so that you understand. Listen to this. He said, now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. What makes in the beginning you may begin by hoping. I will explain that. But there comes a time when it's no longer hope, but you are not sure. Even if they tell you you have five cancers and three tumors, you say I will live and not die. Now you are sure that has faith. But there is a time, a point in time, when all you have is hope. Let me give you the fourth definition so that I can explain the fourth difference so that I can explain this in a little bit. Way. The fourth difference between hope and faith. Is that a hope is what sets the target of what we want. But it is faith that brings it to us. Hope is what sets the target. Hope is what begins. As you begin to hear the word of God about healing, something rises up within you. It is hope. That thing within you begins to tell you, God can do it. God will do it. God can do it. You can have it. You can make it. Now, all of that is not faith. It is hope. All of that is not faith. Oh, God will do it. Now, that's hope in the future. God can do it. That's hope in the future. I will be rich. That's hope in the future. So, what happens is this. Hope has no specificity and definitiveness. When you are hoping, you are not sure. You are not confident. You are not assured. You cannot say... I know now it's so. I, I think it will be. I know God will answer me. I know God can do it. I know I can have it. I know one way or the other. It will happen. I will get the letter somehow. Somehow my name will come out. Now that's all hope. Now you may think that it's safe, but it's not. Until you are confident. That is where the scripture says faith is the substance. It simply means when you are in faith, you are sure. You are confident. It is not something you are thinking will be done. It is not something you think God can do. It is not something you think maybe, maybe not. It is something that as you are speaking now, you see it done. 
You know it's done. No matter what anybody says, it doesn't bother you anymore. You are confident. Now, this is why this translation becomes lesson. He said, now, faith is being sure of what we hope for. In the beginning, you start with hope. Every believer needs hope. Hope is the beginning. And the way hope comes is that you begin to hear the word of God about it. You begin to see examples of it. You begin to see that it's possible. Now hope begins to rise. Hope gets you excited. Hope makes you feel, yes, this our God is a good God. But faith goes beyond excitement. Faith now has a confidence, a sureness. And if you ask faith, will God ever do it? Faith will answer, God will never do it because God has done it now. That's what faith is. It's not something he's going to do. It's not something he can do. If you are just saying, well, our God is able, that's not faith. No, no. You will say that until next year and nothing will happen. Faith, faith is being sure of what we hope for. Another one says, this is the American Standard Version. He said, now faith is as sure as of things hopeful. The Beckley translation says, but faith forms a solid ground for what is hoped for. Moffat translation says, now faith means we are confident of what we earlier on hoped for. We are confident. It's no longer hope. It's no longer saying, I, I know God can do it. I know he has done it before. He has been a help in ages fast. I know he did it for somebody before. All that is not faith. You can operate like that for 10, 15 years and nothing has changed. And nothing will change. Hope does not change things. Hope does not have creative ability. Hope is just an, a mental attitude of expectancy. And expecting something that has no substance will never produce. That substance, that creative element is only what faith can produce. In the beginning we all start with hope. You must have hope. And that is why when you see people who are hopeless, they commit suicide. But everybody will start with hope. You start with hope when you begin to hear the word of God. The word of God about what he has done before. The word of God of what he can do. The word of God about his resources. The word of God about his capabilities. That hope begins to, hope begins to rise. We call it hope rising in those days. Hope rising. Hope begins to rise within you. And as this hope begins to rise within you, you begin to have an expectancy. But you see, for that hope to change to faith, you have to hear that word to a point where you are convinced that he's not just able, that he will not just, that he cannot just, but that he has. That's why faith comes by how? Hearing. And hearing. The moment you stop hearing, you are bought the process of faith. You will still have your hope. You still have your hope, Bryce, on the way. You still have your hope. I will be able to build it. I will be, you see, but until that hope changes the reason of hearing and hearing by the word to something you are not just sure he is able to do, to something you are not just sure he is willing to do, but to something you know he has done, that is when you give substance to your hope and then faith replaces hope and then you get the result. You may come to feel the Holy Spirit. And the man of God says, if I lay hands on you, will you receive the Holy Ghost? I say, well, I hope so. Now he lays hands on you, you don't receive. Well, it's expected. 
But when it says, did I lay my hands on you and receive the Holy Ghost? He said, oh yes, even before you had to go. I remember a man like that. A Muslim man who was a member of this church years ago. He was led to Christ by his wife in his home. When he came to my office that morning to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I told him, I said, I will lay my hands on you. And when I lay my hands on you, you begin to, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak in tongues. He said, what will happen? I said, you'll just be filled with the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak in tongues like this. He said, you mean I'll just raise up my hand and I said, oh, and he, started just, he just started speaking in tongues. No need for him to lay hands on him. Now that's faith. When he was coming, he had a little... His wife already told him about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. So he probably had a hope that, well, if you take me to Reverend George, I will be filled with the Holy Ghost. But when he got there and I taught him the word and I showed him example in God's word, that word in him translated hope to faith to such a point that he was not just expecting anymore. He was sure he had it. Let me explain this further so that you can understand what I'm saying. In Mark eleven twenty four. The word of God says it in this way. What things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive and you shall have. Let me ask you a simple question. Did that scripture say you will have what you desire? Raise up your hand. If you believe that scripture says you will have what you desire. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. He said what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive and you shall have. How many of you believe that that scripture says I will have what I desire. Nobody? <laughs> I know everybody's very careful. <laughs> All right. How many of you be, how many of you also know? How many of you say probably? Well, that scripture did not say I will have what I desire, but that scripture says I will have what I pray for. Well, don't, don't let me bother you because I know you don't raise up your hand. But you see, that scripture, that scripture we read did not say you will have what you desire. That scripture did not even say you will have what you prayed for. That scripture says, you will have what you believe for. What things ever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. The last contact with having is belief. Actually, the Greek version of that scripture says, believe that you have received and you shall have. Which means you will never have until you believed you have received. Which means you have to believe you have received before you have. And when do you believe that you receive? When you pray. Hope is different from hope is different from faith. At times you are you are praying, you are saying, Father, I thank you because I know. Some people say, Well, God, by the middle of June, I wanted to I wanted to have settled my case. Now that's not faith, that's hope. It has no substance. Hope is hope does not have substance. What hope sought? Hope sets the target of what you want. It is faith that brings it to you. When you begin to hear the word of God, your hope rises and your hope sets the target. Hope is a good target setter. Hope tells you he can. Hope tells you he will. Hope tells you he has done it before. But what eventually brings it to you is your faith. It's not done unto you according to what you hope for. It's done to you according to your faith. Now faith is being sure. So if I ask you, are you sure? And you say, <laughs> you know, when people ask you that question, you'll be sincere with yourself. Are you sure you're healed? Are you sure you have it? Are you sure it's done? If you are sure it's done, it is something in the heart. Confession is easy to someone who already believed. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, he said, We all have in the spirit of faith. I believe, therefore have I spoken. If you believe, you speak. 
if someone were to ask you, are you sure that that is a sister? You may say, yes. And you may say, yes. Are you sure you got the job? You understand what I'm saying now? Now hope is a good target setter. Hope is the first thing that gets born in us. Without hope we are sunk. You must hope for something before you can give substance to that hope. Faith is the substance. Let me, let me give you some other translation here. He said now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for. The New English Bible, I like this one. He said, and what is faith? He said faith gives substance to our hopes. You know we have hopes and aspirations. What makes it solid? That's what faith is. And what makes it solid is when you keep exposing yourself to the word of God. It's what keep exposing, you, you keep exposing yourself to the word of God. Because the more of the word you have, the more the substance. Because according to Isaiah chapter 6 verse 13, he said the holy seed of God shall be the substance in the midst of them. In Job 32 18, The young man said, I am full of matter. One treasure says, I am full of substance. The substance to our, the substance that is given to our hope is what makes our hope faith. And that substance is from the word of God. The word of God is the only creative thing that can give substance, materiality, tangibility, definitiveness, and specificity to your faith. If you are not very sure, you know you are not sure. Once you are not sure, you are not there yet. Once you are not confident that it's so, you don't have faith yet. And for as long as you are not confident and you are not sure that it is so, it means all you have is hope. And hope can never deliver anything. Hope cannot change situation. When you have hope, you just patiently hope on the Lord. You just hope, hope, hope. You can hope for 10 years, you can hope for 15 years. But the time comes when hope is changed to faith. At that point, it simply means that the person who possesses the faith is now confident, is now sure, is now assured. He knows without any out of doubt. There is no double-mindedness about it. There is no gainsaying. There is no, there is nothing that says it may not be. That has been dealt with and eradicated and he's sure. Several years ago, I tell people this. When I started hearing the word of God on prosperity, I started hearing the God of God, I started getting excited. I'll be prosperous. Wow, I'll be prosperous. I'll be rich. Wow. I will have money. Money to spend, cars to drive, house to live in. Wow. I'm able to spend gold for things of gold. I became excited. But you see, I had to continually, continually expose myself to the word of God on that subject until a day came. When I was no longer hoping. If people were to tell me you will be poor, I'll tell them I can never be poor again. At that point, it is faith. It's no longer hope. For some of us now, let me say this to you. How do you know when you have moved from hope to faith? One, there is no more fear. You just know. Two, there is a knowing that no one can talk you out of. There is a knowing. Not a wish. It's no longer a wish. It's no longer a desire. It's no longer a prayer. It's no longer a supplication. It is a confidence. You walk differently. You look differently. You talk differently. You have, as it were, quote in the in the language of the world, arrived at the destination, and inside you, you know it. 
no matter what anyone has ever said, will ever say, is saying, is not something you know God can do, will do, or has done before. It's something you know is done. They got to a point, if you tell me I will be poor, I'll just laugh and walk away. If you tell me my ministry don't produce, I just, I just say, oh, thank you. I don't argue with you. Because it has passed the A stage of contention. There is no controversy anymore about it. No double-mindedness, no doubt, no hesitation. It was settled forever. That word is when something is settled, you just know it is settled. You are quiet about it. No agitation, no sleeplessness, no contention, no tossing to and fro. You come to a rest. Psalm one and sixteen verse seven. He said, "Return unto thy rest, O my soul." For the Lord has dealt bountifully with thee. But you see at that point when you know you are faith, you are in faith, then you act. You don't just say, I am sure. I refuse to act. It's not just enough to receive and accept the word about something you hope for. When you are sure, you act. You see, when you are confident of that thing, there is no more controversy. Anything that is said that is not like it, you just smile and walk away. You, you just let them. I remember in those days in this city when I was hoping to go to the wall. In the beginning, I was telling people, God is sending me to the wall, God is sending me to the wall. And some people say, Where will he send it to? How will you go there on this point of circle? And I said, No, God is the one who sent it to me. But the point came that I don't argue anymore. If you doubt it, you are the one who doubt, not me. It, there is no place for doubt. Doubt has been dissolved. It is settled, it is grounded, it is rooted. There is no more argument. In those days, I remember one of the elder, elder statement this time came to me and said, we have been in this time for so long and long. And now you say you are going to the world. How will you go? I just smiled and walked away. No answer. Such. That's why the three Hebrew children said, we are not careful to answer you. <laughs> Our God whom we serve, is it's not a matter of answering. It has passed that stage. We are sure of what we are saying. We are not just saying it because others are saying it. It has come. There is some... Substance is divided into two. Sub means under, stand which means to stand. So at that point, there is something in you that's making you stand. It's not a wish, it's not a prayer. Nobody needs to lay hands and say, In Jesus' name, you go overseas. It's a waste of time. I tell them, Don't waste your prayer. I went to a particular place and I prayed. I remember our prayer team, in those days, they said, God, bring to pass the vision. I told them, Don't ever pray like that again. It's settled. It was settled. It's not a matter of first. You pray. If you have that faith, you don't pray anymore about it because it's settled. You are not shaking by the wind anymore. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So are you sure? I mean, when you are, you just say, yeah, and then you act on it. Not for you to say, I'm sure, but you can act. Inability to act is actually an indication of lack of conviction. If you are sure, what will you do? You act. If you are sure, you act. Let me read one or two verses and then deal with the second one. And then we tie this up today. Continue a little bit of it tomorrow. The 20th century translation of the New Testament says, Faith is the realization. The realization. He said, it's like you have realized. The realization of things hoped for. Weymouth translation, W-E-Y-M-O-U-T-H. He said, now faith is a confident assurance. You are just confident. Of that for which we hope. Good speech translation says, faith means the assurance of what we hoped for. We hoped for it yesterday, but we are sure of it today. Yesterday it was hope. 
It was a figment, a thought, but there was, it was not specific. It was not, it was not tangible. It was not, it was not definite. It was not measurable. It was not real. It was not concrete. But for as long as you are hearing the word of God, it comes to a point where they tell you, no matter what happens, you tell them, don't pray about it anymore. It's done. At that point, you have moved from faith to hope. In the beginning, faith is the substance. Actually, the literal, I read one literal Greek some years ago. He said, faith is actually giving substance to what you hope for. I hope to be rich. What happens is that my faith gives substance to it. And when my faith has given substance to being uh, the fact that I hope to be rich, the issue of my riches is no longer, as it were, a matter of contention or debate or argument. It is settled. Finished. Telio. Complete. Signed. Sealed. Actually, I like this one. I think this one translation here. It is, uh, it is the Montgomery translation. It says, faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Title deed is like a sea of old. You know why you have a sea of what again? Who owns the land? You own it. It's a faith. Is the title deed of the things hoped for. Like the house where I live, I have the sea of with me. So if you come here and begin to pray, oh Lord, make this house mine, I'll just be laughing. Why? I have the title. It's in my hand. And that is the same way you become sure. That is the same way you have the, like you hold the sea of all. That is the same way you hold the certificate of possession. Of that thing. It's no longer a wish of what you think you want. A wish of who you think you are. A wish of where you think you are getting to. You are now sure. If somebody comes to my house and puts his hand on his praying. I tell him when you finish your prayer I will give you water to drink. But that house is mine. Why? I have the title deed. It's in my hand. That's how faith is. When you know something is yours. You can see. I know that 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 I know. No matter what any other person is saying, it's settled. It's like when you have the key to your wedding. I mean, the ring of the wedding in your hand, and somebody is praying over your sister, your your sister you're married. Oh Lord God, I possess this sister. You just laugh and walk away. When you finish praying, let me know. I'm bundling to the police station. I know what is mine. You just quote Galatians 6, 17. Hey, sweat, let no man trouble her. For she bears in her body the mark of Wale Bileu. Title deed. Look at your neighbor and say, do you have the title deed in your hand? It is substance. Faith, you will. Look, let me say this to him. <laughs> the same way in which you hold the certificate of a question in your hand is the same way you hold the tangibility of that thing in your heart. So that no matter what anybody is trying to say or do or trying to work out, you know they are wasting their time. It's settled. Like I remember some years ago when God spoke to me about um, faith mommy. It was in January 1981. So I decided on my own that since God has said she's mine, I just put a mark on her in the spirit. And I decided I was not going to talk to her until I'm ready. So I waited for 11 months. No, you see, he that believeth, when you know you have it, you are not in a hurry. I just said to myself, if you go there, you're wasting your time. There is a mark on her. No trespassing. No parking there. She bears you. If you go there with your short trousers and your dirty shirt, you're wasting your time. That's why I say, brother, when the Lord has settled it for you, there is no controversy. All brothers may be going around performing the he ministry. They're wasting their time. 
what is done is done what is settled is settled you have the title deed you have the legal document you have heaven's word that says it's yours and so 11 months when i was ready i made up my i'm married now i am ready now i am ready now i didn't expect anybody to have been there if they had gone there they had gone there on vacation because the real possessor Olohunde alias Mokeke has arrived are you listening to what I'm saying huh? so I strolled over to her and I told her listen to what I said I said when the time came I was ready I said God bring her to my house bring her to my house so I can rise kill and eat and that was when my junior sister was coming from me but on vacation and he brought her along when I saw her I said <laughs> oh Mark you <laughs> I mean, you, you, you have come to the slaughter. You, you <laughs> you know what I mean by substance now? You know what I mean by substance? It is yours. It's, it's not some. I don't have to begin to pray. Oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. No, 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 no. That's a waste of prayer power. It's settled already. When she came in, I said, you're welcome. So my sister and her slept. I also slept on her bed, and I prayed from a deep sleep from God to follow my sister in the early hours of the morning. And I commanded her to sleep very lightly. And so while I was on the other bed, I was looking in that direction. Lord, it's now time. She lifted up her head. I said, "Can I see you for a second? Can I see you for a second?" She brought it all the way from me, brother. She brought it to me here. And then I just went to her. Just simple statement. The Lord has showed me, you are my wife. Pray about it and let me know the answer. I finished the business. No long summer in an evening service. Or else the angels will leave you in the building. So I just, I just dispatched the instruction. Are you listening to what I'm saying now? Seven days after, she came again. What is happening? I have prayed about it. You, when she was saying it, there was no reason for excitement. I did not need to. I celebrated back in January when the Lord said, Look at her, she's yours. Thank you, Jesus. So, for you now to begin to pray, hey, Oh Lord God, in the name of just let the brother, a brother wants to become a leper, should go near her. Let us see what happens. Faith is the substance, the title deed. Let me go here, one translation anymore. Oh dear. Oh dear. Another one says, faith is being sure of the things we hope for. Being sure. William Strathair says, now faith is the assurance of the things we hope for. Everybody say assurance. So the question of faith you need to ask yourself is this, am I sure? If you say it is yours, the question is, are you sure? If you are not very sure, you are not very confident, then you are just in hope and not in faith. If you are in faith, you will be sure. Not the kind of sure, bulldog sure. Say yes! Yes! You know, in fact, the reason why you are shouting is that you are not sure. You know that. How many people want to You know. If I ask you, have you parked the car outside? So you can say, yes, I'm sure. But you know why you said that? You know you are not sure. You hope you could have packed the car outside, but you are not sure. Look at your neighbor and say, are you sure? That is faith. There is a grounded assurance. There is a blessed confidence. 
there is a guarantee there is a specificity it is mine I'm not wishing, I'm not like one of those brothers playing Kalo Kalo spiritual game with your emotion, my sister you are mine since the day she met me nobody has ever spoken to her and since they have married her nobody has ever made a mistake that, that is confidence so when you are walking straight you, you just know how many of you know what I'm talking about you just walk you know what I'm saying now you, ju- you just what? walk because you have the tangibility you may not be able to go beyond this one actually but let me give you another translation here the amplified I like this it says now faith is the assurance the confirmation the title deed of the things we hope for faith is related to the things we hope for but faith is not hope and when you move from hope to faith the first person to know will be yourself except you've been thinking because people think oh I, I know God can do it now hey I know he has done a great provider great provider he will uh-uh, that's not faith he has blessed be God who hath blessed us with all blessings spiritual blessing in heavenly place I'm not trying to convince him to provide for me I'm not wishing he provides for me I'm not believing he will provide for me I'm confident he has provided for me I'm sure I believe I receive what I pray so I know I'll have. I believe I received when I prayed. When did you believe you received? When you prayed. From the moment you believed that you received when you pray, faith begins to give substance to what you hope for. It's no longer a wish. No matter what anybody says, doesn't matter. It's a confirmation. The title did. You have the right proper document to show. If somebody says, why do you think it is yours? The word of God says. Why do you think you have it? The word of God says. Why do you think he will do it? Ah, he, he, he can do it. Eh? Can do it. Hey, God, we know you can do it. We know you have done it for Abraham. For Isaac. For Jacob. You did it for Noah. Oh, Jesus. You are wasting your time. You think it's faith, but it's not faith. You know what that is? Hope. Now, that hope will not make you ashamed. For as long as you keep the process of transforming hope to what? Faith. And how do you do that? By the word. That is why when you don't read the Bible, there is no... Many of us have good hopes. Hope to be... There are people here who hope to have millions. But you are not grounded in the scripture that tells you that he... Listen to the scripture. He said he has made him to be poor for us. Christ became poor so that through his poverty we may be. Now, when did he become poor? 2,000 years ago. So, where are the riches? They're with me right here. Well, I hope so. Ah, you are still hoping. May I have taken it? It's my Years ago, I knew in this time I was going to be rich. This time, if they asked me, will you be poor? I was preparing myself for riches. I, was pre- I started preparing to act like a rich man. I opened various accounts in various banks. Even when I did not have, but I was just sure that it was impossible. Prosperity will have to occur inside you before it occurs outside you. 
It is. It will take place within before it takes place without. If it is not happening outside, it's because it does not happen inside. It has to take place within you. Can I have an amen there? Do you understand this lesson tonight? These are the things you need to learn. It's not a matter of hoping. Hope is good. It sets the target of where we are going. Hope is good. It tells you what God can do. It tells you what God will do. It tells you what you can have. It tells you who you can be. Hope is good. When the word of God begins to come, your hope is scared. At times after I preach on Sunday, some of you say, yes! Hallelujah! But you know something? That hope just remains. You never do anything to take it to the next level. And that next level is the level that God has in mind for you. And that next level is the level you need to take it to. That next level is the level you don't need to say to yourself. I'm not just thinking I will be. When you read the scripture, I remember I read the Bible to a point one day. I put it on the floor and I stood on it. When I read that God gave Israel houses they did not build. And furnished and equipped it. All they came into their houses with was their portmanteau. I said to myself, if this is what God did to the Israelites, we are the spiritual Israelites of the New Testament. I took the Bible, I put it down, and I said, I said, God, I'm standing on your word, literally. I said, I know this, this work, heaven or not will pass, but this word will never pass away. Now that is substance. Substance. You are standing. When they say, what are you standing on? You will say, I'm standing on a rock. Is this more than a rock? You are standing on the everlasting covenant. You know, you know inside you. If anybody ever tells you this night, prepare to be poor, what will you say to him? I know some of you will not be able to talk around because you are not very sure yet. Will you be, ask your neighbor, will you be rich? Stand on your feet and let's bless him. Come on, let's bless him. Let's bless him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Blessed be his holy name. Oh, worship him, everybody. Worship him. Come on. Lift up your head and praise him. I know I have it now. I have it now. I have it now. Not tomorrow, not next year. Come on. I have it now. I have it now. It is mine. It is mine. It is mine. I have it now. One minute. Before we say, close your eyes. Now, are you sure of that healing? Are you sure of that promotion? Are you confident? Is, is this something registered in your spirit? Does it register in your spirit that you are there? Does it register in your spirit that it is yours? It's not make-believe. It's not bulldog tenacity. It's not shouting until you lose your voice. It is a confidence. Hallelujah. It is a confidence. I am confident of this very thing. I am confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work.